Hello and welcome to Doc to Me. My name is Heather. And I'm Kathleen. And this week we are going back to our favorite forensic files. Wait, did you bring yours? I did. Okay. <laughs> I love any excuse to watch forensic files. It makes it an easier week for me. And I love story time because I get to oh, listen yeah. to you. <laughs> oh, yes. And I do love to ramble. <laughs> And if this is your first episode, welcome. And we also have three other Forensic Files episodes for you to enjoy. Before we get into that, you can follow us on Twitter and or join our Facebook group. Info for that can be found in the show notes. If you would like to email us comments or suggestions or donate to us at PayPal, our email address is doctomepod at gmail.com. We appreciate any help, whether it's a way we can make this podcast better or just a dollar. And also shout out to number one fan, Lindsay. Yes. <laughs> Giving us all kinds of recommendations. Giving us listens. That's yeah, the big yes. one. <laughs> and listens, yes. And and just, you know, makes us happy to hear that someone's listening. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know about you, but I literally just scrolled down a list of seasons and then episodes and wherever the mouse stopped is what I picked. It's hard to find a bad episode. <laughs> yeah, no, I... And I like how we always have, there's a very slim chance that you're covering the same episode as me, but I, by the way. Just in case. <laughs> yeah, like just because I can't help but imagine there's going to be some point in the future where we're going to pick the same episode <laughs> just because our minds are yes like a hive mind. No, but I basically just was like, I want to do a Texas episode and I want to do one that's like nearby. I went with Florida. <laughs> Good old Florida. Mine was pure chance though. <laughs> Uh, do you want to get it out of the way now, or you want me to go first? Uh, you go first. Okay. I'm I don't know why to... I ask. I always end up... <laughs> oh, well, in that case, I'll go first. Okay, if you're ready. Sit back and drink. Pull oh, God, my... that's going to be fun to edit. My show notes. I chose to go with season six. I actually don't remember what episode number it is, but it's Death Play. It aired uh, June 18th of 2001. Good old 2001. Um, it starts with 38-year-old Stephen Robards falling ill. Episode 5. Woo! Okay, see, I was going to say. <laughs> Season 6, episode 5. Um, I also chose this one because I remember seeing the Deadly Women episode. And also, there's a Skip Hollinsworth Texas Monthly article. And I love him. And He's the only reason why I subscribe to the magazine. On the off chance, there's one of his articles in it. So it's a, it's a July 1996 article, and it's a really good read. And he's also interviewed in the episode of Forensic Files, which I think at the time was actually still Medical Detectory. Sir, and everybody should just subscribe to Texas Monthly. It's like $2 an issue. It's a great deal. He's amazing. <laughs> he is. Any article that he writes is just... Well, well, there's a lot of great writers there also. Yeah, but he's my personal favorite. <laughs> he wrote The Candy One... Um, I believe he wrote a Darley Routier one. Like, he's just, he's a great writer. He's he's phenomenal. I know, anytime I see any of his articles, I save those ones for you. (laughs) I'm a fangirl. So we start with 38-year-old Stephen Robards falls ill. And he, his girlfriend lives in a nearby apartment. She comes over. um, They call 911. He basically dies before they can even get him to the hospital. Um, and they just announced that he had a heart attack and he's passed from that. So Stephen Robard was a Texas native. He had been divorced and was working as a mail carrier. Like he had just recently 
gotten the job, kind of gotten his life together kind of stuff. Um, he has a 16-year-old daughter that's recently come to live with him after she had a d- disagreement with her mom's new husband. They had been having a lot of relationship issues, and I think the father, or the stepfather had like cheated on the mother, and she ended up getting back together, and the daughter just wasn't kind of having it. She was just appalled that her mom took him back. He, you know, he's excited to have his daughter living with him again for the first time since, you know, the divorce. He even had a, applied to get a two-bedroom apartment. Um, he was living in a one-bedroom. And so I want to say he, like, had gone to the trouble of, like, setting up a little personal area for her to have her own space. And, you know, he was truly, really trying to make it work. She wasn't happy. She wanted to be with her mom. And obviously that wasn't in the cards because the mom was kind of choosing the stepdad over her kind of thing which you know yeah that goes well uh marie is you know just this perfect teenager she's in theater and making all the amazing marks like she's the perfect child everyone just loves her and talks about how amazing she is so not us not us not (laughs) us at all so on February 17th, 1993, after dinner, Stephen had gone to a church service. And when he came back, he told Marie that he didn't feel so well. And he started getting worse, like with stomach pains. And that's when the daughter calls over the girlfriend who lives in, in a nearby apartment. Um, they decide to go ahead and call 911 because he... I think they said that he was, like, foaming at the mouth. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. So he, he like, basically um, slipped into a coma, and he's foaming at the mouth. And it's just, it's obviously a teenage girl is going to be terrified. So she calls and for help. And it's not April 1st. And it is not April 1st. Okay. And he does not have rabies. Help <laughs> <laughs> the seltzers. So the autopsy shows that he had died from cardiac, cardiac arrest, and then he had an enlarged heart. Oh. Yeah, a sweet mailman with the, too big of a heart. Yeah, so you would think that, you know, Marie would end up going back to live with her mother after, you know, her father tragically passes away. But instead, she goes to live with her grandparents. So it's that bad with the mom. It is that bad with the mom. <laughs> In the Deadly Women episode, you know, they show, like, the scene of, like, her talking to her mom at like her father's gravesite and her mom basically saying, you can't come back and live with me and you're going to have to go live with your grandparents because I'm moving. I think she wanted, she was going to move to Florida with the stepfather. Like she wanted to work on the, on the marriage. Oh my God. It's like twilight (laughs) baseball player for the minor leagues. Yeah. So she, you know, is obviously devastated that, you know, her father's just died tragically and she can't go back to live with her mom. So she has to go and live with her grandparents. Um, And it was actually, I think it was his parents that she goes to live with. She ends up, you know, finishing up school. She graduates. She goes on to attend the University of Texas. I think it was, yeah. Uh, So, you know, halfway through the year, she knows that the police are looking into her father's death. You know, she's kind of heard through the grapevine. Uh, at her new school, when she was living with the grandparents, Marie had befriended a girl named Stacy High, which I thought was funny because they were in high school and just <laughs> like having the last name High seems tragically funny. Um, as Stacy had been reading Hamlet for a senior class, Marie started crying and. 
obviously Stacy thought that was really weird <laughs> because why are you crying over Hamlet? Um, you know, she's she's like, oh, you know, something awful has happened. And of course, Stacy's like, "Are you pregnant?" And she's like, no. And she's like, "Did you crash your grandma's car?" And she's like, "No." She's like, "Did you kill someone?" And she's like, "Yes." Why is that the third thing you go to? Because when you're a teenager, the most horrific things you could possibly do is crash your family's car or be pregnant. Like, frankly, I but feel I like that's like the worst you thing you could do. Someone would be like, way, way down the line. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that is true. <laughs> like, why, why? What are you saying about me that you think I murdered someone is like the third worst thing I could do in my life? It's the third guess. It's the third guess. That should be like the 400th guess. <laughs> but no, she basically, she admits just like full on, just blurts it out that she killed her dad with some uh, barium acetate from lab class she had mixed it with her dad's mexican food i feel like that's on the school that she was able to just take that so they marie you know swears stacy into secrecy which like i mean i don't (laughs) know teenage girl (laughs) i don't know about your friends from high school but (laughs) we couldn't keep when someone had kissed somebody else secret let alone when you murdered your father with poison um, in the episode of Forensic Files, they actually don't even tell you what she used to kill the father because it was so deadly and hard to trace. Um, I'm assuming that was just like at the time in the early 90s and not the but case I also now. Feel like that would be so hard to even come upon. Well, so apparently it was just in her high school lab class, like free so for insane. all the kids to touch. And. <laughs> she was like an amazing lab student so she just like sneaks some home in a napkin or well in one of those you know the classic school paper towels yeah that you can like easily fold up into like a little pouch because they're like, made of sandpaper <laughs> uh stacy obviously traumatized by this information starts having nightmares She's seeing Steven asking to be saved. She's seeing Marie chasing her like a scary movie. Like she is having horrible nightmares. And finally, you know, she's, she gets to a point where she confesses to her mom. And her mom is basically like, I wanted her to make the right decision for herself. Can we just <laughs> applaud she at least made it like the rest of the school day without spreading the secret? that's impressive this girl is a tortured soul so (laughs) stacy's life begins to kind of spiral she's drinking too much she is starting to miss school Uh, so she finally goes ahead and tells the school guidance counselor that she is keeping a secret and she tells the police eight months later um and it turns out that Marie had even gone to the trouble of tearing the safety page for that poison out of the book in like they had like the binder of like for poison control and all the you know different information for like each thing psycho so she pulled the uh the safety page from the lab book and so she had pulled the book the page out of the book and the poison like they had never tested for poison during any of the autopsy or that one specifically they didn't test for because the machine to test for it is $150,000 and they didn't have 
that machine at the medical examiner's office in Fort Worth. That's a big city, and they don't have the money for that. Yes, it was She's a it was so a hundred. Dumb. She could have gotten away with this so easily. Exactly. That is why I picked this case because, like, the Deadly Women episode, this the article, like, everything talks about how she literally she committed the perfect crime. Yeah. She had gotten away with it. No one suspected anything. She, if she hadn't opened her mouth, they would have never had any idea. The only reason they even knew what test to run to find the drug is because she confessed what drug she had used. Oh, my God. The detectives speculate that she wanted to work in, like, the medical pathologist's office. And, you know, she had wanted to go to med school. So they knew that she knew the poison wouldn't be detected unless they used the mass spectrometer gas chromatogram graphic. Yeah, which was the $150,000 machine that they didn't have. So they kind of figured that she knew they wouldn't be able to test for it as easily. And and I, I, like, made a note that, like, they, they said, we will not reveal that poison on this program because it was so rare (laughs) like and just the idea of testing for it it was just i was mind-blowing i was like um but they mention it everywhere else i have something like that in the next documentary we cover (laughs) yeah like they mention it in the in the dead like women episode they mention it in the texas monthly article they mention it in like a lot of the articles i read about the case but anyways um they go ahead and send the the tissue sample off to have it tested for the poison. Um, It turns out he has 28 times the lethal dose. And when they arrest Marie, she immediately confesses what she's done. Like she's (laughs) She's so insane. She (laughs) just spills it all. But she says that she didn't actually mean to kill her dad. She had wanted to go home and live with her mom. And so she thought that if her dad got really sick, that she would be able to go home. But the police said, Real obviously, how, how much did she put in there? 28 times the okay. lethal dose. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she would have known based on the paperwork that she had ripped out how much would have killed. And she would have known, obviously, that it was extremely dangerous and all of this stuff because she was a brilliant lab student. So she wanted to go home and be with her mom. She didn't even get the chance to do that because then at the dad's yeah, funeral. Even, like, I hate saying it's funny, but it's funny that the mom's still like, yeah, but I don't want you living with me. <laughs> I died during the De- Deadly Woman episode when they're standing at the grave doing the reenactment and the mom's like, I'm moving to Florida. And the daughter's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> So she didn't even get the chance. Like, she killed her dad for literally no reason. And she was even upset about that, too. She was upset that, like, you know, her dad wasn't a bad guy. She didn't hate her dad. She was just really attached to her mom. And she just wanted to be back with her. And so, you know, she ended up going to live with the grandparents, just living with all this guilt about how she had murdered her dad to, you know, get her way and then didn't even end up getting it. So, you know, she she tries to say that she just meant to make him sick, but obviously that is completely not possible at all. You know, <laughs> just, you know, she was too smart to be that stupid. So May 9th, 1996, she's sentenced to 27 years. That's not bad. 
She ended up being released in 2003, and she's basically gone on and lived a completely normal life. Hopefully she's not working somewhere that sells Mexican food. Yeah. I don't know that I would ever be able to forgive my mom. Like, it was just like, like, the Texas Monthly article definitely went a lot more into the details about how, like, fucked up. Like, the marriage ended up not working out between the mom and the stepdad because he... even better. Because... (laughs) He continually cheated on her. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, and so, you're in Florida? Yeah. So she, you know, she ended up moving back. It was just, it was like this whole, like, this girl. If she had, had just the, waited like yeah. six months or something. Well, no, it's just motherfucking like years of oh, just back okay. and forth with this man. But, you know, she just wanted to be with her mom and. It just made me think of, like, my youngest, who's, like, completely obsessed with me. And, like, if I ever tried to leave without her, like, there would be hell to pay. Oh, you joked about being pregnant. She punched you in the stomach. Exactly. <laughs> and so, like, I just see glimpses of my youngest child in this. Like, she would definitely murder <laughs> my husband if it meant more time with me. Like, she is crazy. And this girl was just as crazy. Well, let's keep her out of advanced science classes. I yeah, and the, who keeps just, like, casual, deadly poisons in a science class for, like, I just thought that it was the most ridiculous thing because she literally committed the perfect murder. She got away with it. Yeah. No one she hadn't have said would have anything. ever, like, she would have gone her whole I, life. I blame Hamlet. Fuck you, William Shakespeare. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was like the Edgar Allan Poe. She just had that guilty beating heart under her floorboards. And she's just like, I have to confess. And then she even like, you know, said that she didn't blame Stacy for for ratting oh her out. Oh my God, can you imagine if she blamed Stacy? That bitch should have kept just my- deal with it and drink like the rest of us. Yeah. To make just the nightmares go just away. Just keep your mouth shut. Yeah, that's insane. Okay. Yours are always so much more, like, organized. <laughs> I blame the fact that I'm just, like, very... Well, you write your notes down, too. Like, I sit and type and... Yeah, well, yeah. Sometimes I'll do it, I'll type them up on my phone, but... It's slow. I've had to do that before. Yeah, I just, I'm a mess, and I clearly <laughs> need medicated for something at this point. I'm all over the place. So I'll just be like writing notes and I'll be like, oh my God, that was funny. And then I'm like, that that's out of place. Like, That's why I type it out. Because I'm like, okay, it's easy to just, let's move this here, this over here. I could never write a book. That I'm joke's just... not going to land. Let's get rid of that one. Okay. Uh, drinking now. I'm getting warm. I was able to find mine on the PCAC. PCAC? <laughs> Already. I can't even get a sentence in. You know what? Frankly, I love that even better. <laughs> PCAC. I, I was able to find mine on the Peacock app, and I love how it starts off. Oh, um, I'm covering episode 7, season 10, and it originally aired July 20th, 2005, so jump into a time machine for some visualization. It starts off talking about t- today's electronic world where cameras track our every move and a simple cell phone call can pinpoint our location. And the narrator says all the, this with that voice that makes it sound like cutting-edge technology. Which at the time it was, granted. 
Is it showing like snippets of like traffic cams and stuff yeah. like that? Because I am visualizing this episode. But it's this huge ass security camera with grainy footage. And then, of course, the cell phone he's talking about is one of those tiny flip phones that we oh, used to have. that I used to have like my first cell phone. Uh huh. When my kid's like, Mom, I can't but show cutting this. Cutting edge technology. <laughs> I can't show this at school. People will make fun of me. But we're going to unravel a crime in two cities a crime of betrayal, lust, and greed. Cue the theme music. Boom, 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 boom. Aw. So I'm just thinking of. <laughs> fuck, I just literally referenced her the other day to my husband, and now I can't remember her name. Oh my god, what is the deadly woman? Just, oh, Detective. Uh, Candace DeLong? Can- yes, <laughs> literally. And just, yes. So I'm, I'm picturing every time I hear the word greed, Candace DeLong saying, oh, it was a little thing called that started with the letter G and ended in <laughs> R E. E D. It's like, bitch, you just say starts with G and ends just with D. Uh, so we start off with Mike Garvin, a real estate agent in Jacksonville, Florida, and his wife, Shirley. He had been president of their community club and she was involved in local politics. So, rich white couple. Oh, yeah. I can picture it now. <laughs> January 2003, the weather had apparently been too cold for them, so they decided to take a little vacation and drive down to Key West to stay at a quality inn. Already seeing red flags. You're such a Who successful says a quality inn. You're such a successful real estate agent, and yet you're making that drive instead of flying because that's all the way down the coast. And who stays at a quality and inn? Also, a fucking quality inn. Are you so... like hooking up with prostitutes? <laughs> it's Key West. <laughs> So at some point, he leaves the hotel to go to a pharmacy to fill and pick up pick up a prescription for his wife. And when he arrives back at the hotel an hour later, she's missing. But, you know, they're in Key West, Florida. Maybe she went to go eat, do some shopping, or just walk on the beach. And even though her purse is still in the room, he waits several hours before he finally calls the police to report her missing. Employees at the hotel don't remember seeing her leave, and her friends are even more shocked because Shirley hadn't even mentioned leaving town. So the cops originally thought that maybe she was kidnapped because she was known for wearing expensive jewelry. Even though, again, it's Key West. Yeah, everyone there is a little... Kind of classy. Police bring in tracking dogs who can't find a scent outside of the room, and the police find a pair of sandals abandoned on the beach, which seemed to match a pair that Shirley owned. So maybe she died in a swimming accident? They bring Mike in for an interview so they can get some background information and maybe work out a timeline. He says they arrived at the hotel in Key West after a full day of driving, and he left her there to get settled in while he went out to pick up dinner for them. So he ordered two meals, they ate, and then they went to sleep. Except the bartender at the restaurant only had a receipt for one meal. Oh, dun dun dun! <laughs> Was the bitch even there? And a Actually, I shouldn't call her a bitch, that's Bert. No, she's... Okay. <laughs> and a security camera at a gas station in Miami, Miami only shows Mike. Miami. So you've been driving all day, and she doesn't need to go pee at any point? Then the cops start looking at security footage from toll booth cameras, and even though Mike insisted Shirley was in the passenger seat, the footage shows an empty seat. He's so stupid. This is the dumbest man <laughs> I've ever heard. Instead of saying, like, oh, she was asleep in the back seat or something... No, yeah. she was in the passenger seat. Why would you lie about how many meals you ordered if you knew there was going to be fucking You're proof so of that? so fucking cheap that you only bought one meal. Yeah, I think eat two of them, fucker. That? That's your alibi. Like, I could, I could make room for two meals if I needed to pretend I had a second person. So now the cops are thinking, 
she never even left Jacksonville with him. <laughs> it all falls apart so quickly. The cops go to his real estate office to talk to his co-workers, who were quite surprised to find out Mike was even married. What? <laughs> so I'm sure you're thinking maybe they hadn't been married that long and the co-workers weren't invited to the wedding. They'd been married for almost 16 years. And he never mentioned having a wife. How the fuck do you even hide something like that for so long? <laughs> she never called up about it? The, she, they never ran into him, like, at the supermarket? And the police go to their home to try and find signs of foul play or even blood, and they find nothing. Even with the luminol, they made note of that. <laughs> Does this woman even exist? <laughs> she has friends. <laughs> what? Um, but it's 2003 and household computers are common to own, so they take Mike's in for an expert to check out. And no, Mike didn't destroy the hard drive, and they discovered that Mike was a bit of a Casanova online. He had a dating profile on Match.com, and they show a clip of it. Who has the time? It is definitely 2003. Did he have spiky hair? And, uh, no, I don't think so. And he was going out on dates with women and sending them flowers. At least he was nice enough to have his marriage status set to divorce and not widowed. I feel like I'll give him that one. <gasps> or just single. Yeah. it's No, usually they're like, oh, I'm widowed. The wife died. But where the fuck is Shirley? Nancy Fix, who is Shirley's cousin, she has a cousin, so we know the woman existed. <laughs> she, I mean, this is just mind-blowing. Remembers a creepy conversation she had with Mike. They had gone together for lunch, and she just asked Mike, how are you getting through this? And his creepy-ass response was, You know, I'm the type of person I never look back. I always look forward. So what? Your wife is missing. <laughs> She's not dead, hun. What like... the fuck? Your wife of almost 16 years has vanished off the face of the earth, and your response to that tragedy is, All right, what's next? <laughs> and of course, a financial check on Mike shows that dude was in some serious debt to the tune of $86,000. Most of their assets were in Shirley's name, including the almost $900,000 left to her after the death of her parents just a couple of years before. And more bad news for Mike, shortly before her death, Shirley was planning on leaving in. So, you know, I'm sure he's innocent. The cops are like, we don't have enough for to arrest the guy just yet, so they decide to put a GPS tracker on his car. Oh yes, please. And then they show an awful graphic of satellites in space to explain how GPS works. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to miss that. After this is like some NASA shit with like satellites in the Oh no. They did not have NASA money to make this graphic. Uh, about six weeks after Shirley's disappearance, they track Mike's car to an abandoned golf course in a state park twenty miles from his home, which is also the same location where he received a cell phone call on the morning he left for Key West. Who was this call from? We already talked about how broke he was, so maybe that's where he goes to play golf, an abandoned golf course. Cops take cadaver dogs up there where they hit on a pond nearby, but after a week of draining and searching the pond, nothing is found. Ten days later, Mike makes another trip to the area. The cops are tracking this, so they contact a nearby park official who spotted not only Mike, but his girlfriend. Oh, no! The man knows how to grieve. So after they leave, the cops come back to search the area again and find a spot with no grass less than 30 feet from where Mike had been parked. It's Florida. It's all grass, swamps, or ocean. So if there's a spot where there's no grass, 
They dug up the area, and sure enough, they find a body wrapped in trash bags and duct tape. Oh, man, the girlfriend was helping him get rid of her? Nope. <laughs> so he's Oh, he just really, likes to take her there to have a casual he's, date. He's really, really unlucky, or he just brought his girlfriend on a date to where his dead wife is buried. Oh, fuck. He's not unlucky because he truly is the dumbest because it's Shirley's body. And not only that, she was wearing one of those watches that also has the date on it. So the cops know, like, she was dead before Mike made the trip to Key West. Cause of death was two bullet wounds to the head. Well, that's no accident. They don't find any proof of Mike owning a gun, but they do find a roll of duct tape in the garage that unsurprisingly matches the duct tape found on Shirley's body. It's the same type, and they're also able to match the ends together. You know how they do with the microscopes. Oh, yeah. To prove it's the same exact Mm -hmm. role. Genius. Even without the murder weapon, it's all pretty damning. Because how do you just happen to stumble, like, 30 feet from where (laughs) your wife is buried? With your new girlfriend. Yeah. Faked your wife, like, going missing in another city. Yeah. The timeline they come up with is that he killed Shirley and then talked to his girlfriend on the phone. Uh, The next day, he spent the night at his girlfriend's house, which shocked her because he had never done that before. And then early the next morning, he buried the body and drove to Key West, where he would report his wife missing the day after. So yeah, with all this evidence, Mike pleads guilty, at least, to second-degree murder. Only smart thing he's done. (laughs) He's sentenced to life with no parole, and after serving 16 years in prison, he died on July 4, 2020, of natural causes. Happy birthday to America, and goodbye fuckface. So did he just bring his girlfriend? Yeah, on a date. On a date above his dead wife's body? Yes. What the fuck? Who did yes. that? Like, let's have a picnic date. And oh, she even what told about the cops, this? Yeah, like, it was weird. He spent the night area. at my house. He's never done that before. And it's like, yeah, because now his wife's dead. He can go hang out all he wants. What a fucker. So I don't think she knew he was married. That's wild. A weird thing they kind of discussed is shortly before his marriage to Shirley, his first wife died by hanging herself in their basement. And there's nothing to investigate because he had her body cremated shortly after. No oh, one he is, definitely killed her. No one is saying he killed her. It's just super suspicious to have two dead wives. And they never found the gun used to Shirley's murder. But then again, Key West is surrounded by ocean. I mean, you're going along the coast all the way and down. they got all those gators. And it also came out that Shirley had helped pay for Mike's daughter to go to college, and this asshole still killed her. Man. And the Put your kid through college. I know. And the quality inn he stayed at for his alibi is closed, so no road trip for us. Thank you, Forensic Files, and fuck you, Mike Garvin. I think we can afford a little bit better than quality inn anyway. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, we're not making any money from this, but... <laughs> Yeah, if we're going all the way to Florida, we're not staying at a quality inn. And we're sure as fuck not driving. (laughs) No. Fuck that. It was a beautiful case. Beautiful. I really thought the girlfriend was going to be involved in this. It was just dumb thing after dumb thing for him to be caught. Just the first thing was his, like, yeah, we went and got food. (laughs) We got two sandwiches. And the bartender right away is like, he got one. (laughs) I got the the receipts to prove it. (laughs) God, I could eat two meals for a murder cover up. I mean, you eat one and then you like take a nap, wake up, eat the other one. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, sometimes when I'm in a mood, like I can eat both at the same time. But you have to make sure that you use two forks because if you only use yes. one fork, they're going to know. <laughs> I know how to play this whole like. But then I was like, were the, did he leave those sandals on the beach or was it just a coincidence somebody else left their sandals? It just worked in I his favor like... at least for like an hour. I don't think he left the sandals because he's not that smart. No, yeah. I think that maybe somebody just forgot their shoes. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're too stupid and you're having your girlfriend hang out above your wife's dead body, like... So gross. This is the perfect picnic spot. But honey, <laughs> why are we in the woods? There's All no right. view. Uh, we will be back next week with the Amber Hagerman <laughs> documentary that just came out. And it's a doozy. I cried a lot. (laughs) Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Talk to Me. The opening music is by Twisterium. For comments or suggestions, we can be reached by email at talktomepod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at talktomepod and find a link to our Facebook group in the show notes. Thank you.